Good morning. A very big welcome to everyone here this morning. A very big welcome to all of those online. I feel like it's probably my place to say a massive congratulations to our uh, South African brothers and sisters. We pray for those with non-South African partners, for grace and understanding for the next four years. I know it's going to be a tough one, particularly with how bad New Zealand were robbed. Anyway. <laughs> Um, as you said, my name's, uh, my name's Sam, I'm part of the preaching team, I'm, um, I'm also a trustee here um, at Sutton and I have the privilege to continue our series, The Great Pursuit, where we've been looking at the pursuit of following Jesus in the chaos of our lives and I've absolutely loved the series and I love that image of this being a pursuit, this being something that we, we take up on a, on a daily basis, something that we're ever moving forward with. It, it, it sounds like something that's a, that's a journey, that's an adventure, um, that's something that's worth working towards. Um, and it's something that maybe, as I preached this morning, uh, the title is Come Follow Me, that maybe we, we, we think about this as being the beginning of, of that journey and, and, a, and a moment when some of the first disciples kind of stepped out and followed Jesus. But it's a reminder of actually what we're all in a situation of, no matter where we are, no matter where we are in potentially in that journey at the very beginning or, or partway through it, that there's an invitation to all of us to get closer to Jesus and to follow him and that we have that again and again that's open to us. But before we start, why don't we, why don't we pray? So Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning, and we say we want to meet with you. You have never forsaken those who seek you, and your love for us is boundless. Hold us close to you and steady our trust in you so that it never wavers. No matter what challenges we face this week or the burdens we've carried here, help us let go of those so that there's only you. Amen. Okay, brilliant. So the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is in Matthew. It's Matthew 4, verse 18. Um, I've said 18 to 12, which makes no sense whatsoever. So it's probably 18 to 22. Um, but the words are going to come up behind me. We're going to be reading from the ESV version this morning. But we read that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. That's, that's Jesus. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, it's probably a passage that if, we, if any of you have been around church for a while or, or, or read your Bibles, it's probably one that we're all going to be familiar with. And I absolutely love it. And one of the things I love about it is its pure simplicity. We've got this scene of, of Jesus by the Sea of Galilee walking along and he sees some people and he calls them out and he says, come, follow me. And the absolutely miraculous thing for me is that these, these men just drop what they're doing and it says they just follow him. And it's just absolutely beautiful that there's this scene here that these people that we would have never have known about, we would never have read about these people, all of a sudden they're invited and then bang, they go. They follow Jesus and then that's it. We, we, we read about their story through the rest of the gospel and, and on through the Bible. 
And it's all of this moment of just standing out. And, and I think there's lots, of scenario, there's lots of different passages in the Bible that you can say, maybe that's the birth of Christianity, maybe that, that's the birth of Christianity. But in this moment, these people, these first disciples that were willing to step out and follow Jesus, and I just think, wow, that, it just birthed something huge. But if anyone is like me, maybe this is actually the, the, the sheer essence of maybe why you struggle with this passage. I kind of read this and I think to myself, well, how distractible were these men that they could just have this invitation and just go? Or how much did they not like fishing that they were looking for something, maybe anything, to just walk along and, and take them away? I've got, I've got images of Peter's wife maybe being at home just being like, what on earth? <laughs> like, what on earth has happened? And it seems so reckless and in the moment. And I ask myself, is, is, that what we're, is that what we're called to? And I often think to myself, well, what would I have done in that situation? And I, and I rebuke myself when I think of the questions that I'd have gone back to Jesus to be like, well, fellow, you where? And then I think of myself making pros and cons lists and thinking, oh, should I go, should I not go? And maybe a six-month transition plan of winding down the business and setting up all these things to be like, okay, yeah, maybe, that, maybe after all of that, I can step out and I can follow this man. But we read that Andrew and Simon hearing one line from Jesus are willing to put it all down and just follow Jesus. And it's incredible in the faith that these early disciples actually show. But when we read the Bible, we're reminded that context is everything. We've obviously got four Gospels written for, for, for different audiences and, and to provide more background and, and different focus. And it's, and it's together that we get a true picture of kind of what Jesus' life was and, and what these moments were. We actually hear a little bit more about these disciples and them meeting Jesus and hearing about him. And we read in John, so this is in John's Gospel, and um, we're going to read here, so again, um, we're going to read that um, the first line is, is talking about John the Baptist, but the words will come up behind me. So we hear the next day again, John, so John the Baptist, was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak um, followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So in John, we read a little bit more about the fact that um, Andrew and, and Simon had met Jesus. It's, it's this context. Um, we would have seen, if, if, if anyone has watched The Chosen, there's these scenes in there where, where he kind of runs to him and goes, we found him, we found him. And if anyone also reads the Bible, it's also in there. <laughs> and again, it's context. We must remember the fact that these were, these were Jewish men. They would have known all about the, the Messiah. It would have been what they were waiting for, particularly under Roman occupation, the saviour of the Jewish people that was foretold to come and actually save them and, and, and take them forward. And in here we read of Andrew running to Peter and saying, we have found him, the one we've been looking for, we have found him. Now this isn't contradictory to what we read 
in, in the other gospel, as I said, it's all context. It's, it's building a picture. There's, there's different focus. The, the authors wanted us to, 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 to have different focus as they, as they wrote. And there's largely accepted chronology here that this actual scene came before the one that we read by the Sea of Galilee. And actually, when you kind of take it through, it's, it's the way that it, that, it went, that it makes sense. And the disciples that we read about, at least Andrew and Peter, they knew Jesus and have spoken to him before. They had a concept of what he was speaking about and, and who he was. And on the day that we read that they were, they were called out, Jesus has come to these same people and he says to them, you know me, but come and follow me. Step out and come and follow me. Leave what you're doing and come with me. Now, what does that do? Does that dilute the message that we read about or the faith? Like, absolutely not. But what it shows, and it's something that I've really been reflecting on this, is there is a, there's a difference between knowing Jesus and following him. First, Andrew and Simon, they knew Jesus, and then they followed him. And it invites the question, how often do I know Jesus, and how often do I follow him? And where are all of us in that journey? Maybe some of us are just starting to know him. Maybe some of us feel like we've been following and, and sometimes it kind of goes back and forth. I've also been really intentional in, in that phrase that I've been using with, of, of invitation. The fact that this is an invitation to come and follow Jesus. It's not a, a, a command. It, it, it requires a response. There's an option here for the disciples and there, and there always is. And we actually read about another invitation. So we read in Mark 10, verses 17 to 22, about a, a, what's titled The Rich Young Man. And again, it's going to be a verse that many of us know. Sorry. And a young man approaches Jesus, and he's questioning him about how he should live and what he should do. And it says in, in verse 21 behind me, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But the next verse says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The young man knew Jesus. He sought him out as a, as a great teacher to ask him, how should I live? I've been, I've been following all of the Jewish laws, but, but what, what, what else do I need to do? He knew Jesus and what he was preaching. But when he was invited to come follow him, he stopped and disheartened, he went away. And Andrew and Peter, like us, need to respond to this invitation, yes or no. By the Sea of Galilee, the disciples are given that invitation. Drop the nets, give up your life, and, and come follow me. And they followed him. It says they, they followed him. And it wasn't on a whim. They knew Jesus, and they knew what he was preaching. And they said, I want more of that. And they didn't know what the implications would be, where it would follow. But they were willing to step out in faith and put their trust in Jesus. 
So when I was, uh, when I was preparing uh, for this sermon, I was, I was thinking about in, invitations, some of, the, some of the best invitations maybe um, that I've ever received. And, and, and I love getting invitations, whether or not it be kind of like events, parties, or, or, or weddings. And, and one of the ones that came to mind was a few years ago. So Sarah, my wife, and I, uh, we were up in Scotland for, for, for just under a week. We were in a, in a small place called Gullen. I don't know if anyone knows Scotland, but it's kind of like you go up to Edinburgh and then you kind of go along the coast. It's about kind of 45 minutes out. And it's a small place. There's not a huge amount there. There's, there's two pubs, very nice pubs, but two pubs. There's two restaurants and there just coincidentally seems to be seven golf courses as well. So for anyone that knows me, you can potentially understand why I, I picked this place out. But Sarah and I were up there just before Christmas, had an absolutely amazing time and we were all set to hit the road the next day. So the car was packed. We were heading home down to London. Um, and, and had the journey in front of us. And, and a friend of mine who, who lives up in Scotland, I work with him, texted me out of nowhere um, with this invitation. And he said, oh, a good friend of mine has a tea off time tomorrow. Um, it's all paid for. All you've got to do, turn up. Um, and it's just up the road at a golf resort called Glen Eagles. So... <laughs> So for anyone that, that doesn't know about golf or, 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 or just seizes it away as, as absolutely destroying a good walk, um, this is probably one of the, the, the most famous, well-known, best golf courses in Scotland. And I've always dreamt of the idea of being able to get on it and play. And all of a sudden, I have this invitation, head up the road while you're in Scotland, which is obviously like, what, once a year, every now and again for me, uh, to go and play this course. But the thing with invitations is, is that there is always something that you have to consider instead of the invitation. The invitation will always have to consider whether or not that takes precedent. You are always invited to do something, and in being invited to do something, you, you have to consider what you, you wouldn't do with that time anyway, even if, even if that's nothing. And for Sarah and I, it was, it was jumping in the car and heading home. So obviously, I made the decision that maybe we would stay, and Sarah thankfully agreed with me. And it's the same, even, even the best invitations that we've ever had, when that invitation comes through the post of a loved one and their wedding, the best invitations, you don't think, oh, well, I was going to go out on that Saturday. You immediately jump at it, but there is always a decision. To take up an invitation means to, to say no to other things. And that's the very nature of invitations, and there's, there's no difference here. Now, in the Jewish tradition, men would, would enter into apprenticeships with, with teachers, with, with rabbis. It, it would be expected. It would be the way of, of learning. And actually, it would only be the very best that were kind of taking into um, apprenticeships. And actually, we've already heard about the fact that, that Andrew was, was already following John the Baptist as a, as a disciple and, and following him and, and, and learning from him. And I recently listened to a podcast by John Mark Homer, and, and he says there was, a, there was a Hebrew blessing. I absolutely love this. This is beautiful. There was a Hebrew blessing, and it is, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And that would be a way of blessing someone to say, just like, may you have the best day. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And obviously, it's a saying that may you follow your rabbi so closely, may you always be so connected with them and, 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 and following so closely behind them that you are physically covered with their dust. And when we talk about invitations, that was the invitation that was being extended to these disciples on this day. Come and follow me. Be so close to me that you will be covered in my dust. Learn from me, follow my teachings, 
And Jesus says to them, and I will make you great teachers and people that can inspire other people. And we're invited into that same thing. And Libby spoke about it last Sunday, absolutely beautiful, to be with Jesus and to be close with him. Obviously for us, not physically like, the, like Andrew and Simon, but through the Holy Spirit and have this intimate relationship with him. So closely following him that we are covered in his dust. But to do this, like I said, with all invitations, there needed to be a decision that was to be made. If, if I'm invited to one thing, what am I being taken away from? And the verse tells us a couple of things. So immediately it says they put down their nets. They, 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 they dropped their nets. They left their livelihoods and their jobs as fishermen. And it says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, literally just said goodbye to their father. And there's a point here that the disciples were willing to give up their livelihoods, that, that, that protection, the money, the security that came with that, say goodbye to loved ones and families. And actually in the verse that we read in, in Luke chapter 5, it's a similar verse where, when the disciples are called, it says they left everything and followed him. Willing to put it all down and step out and follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but this becomes a challenging message to read at times. Disciples seemingly willing to, to, to follow Jesus and so suddenly and just willing to drop everything. And it's an interesting one, but we actually read throughout the Gospels that, that family is still very much a part of the disciples' lives. Um, actually, it's, it's when, we, when we hear about James and John, these were the disciples that... Um, Someone went to Jesus and said, oh, can, can James and John be at your left and your right hand? And in one of the Gospels, it talks about the fact that that, is, that request was from their mother, that they're still very much a part of their lives. And in roughly the three years of Jesus' ministry, they were never too far from home. If, we have, if you map it out, it's all in and around the Sea of Galilee. We read in Mark, in the same chapter as Jesus calling disciples, that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. There's family comes up again, and it comes up in Acts and, and throughout the, the gospel. So Jesus certainly isn't turning around and saying, give up your friends and family and never see them again. And we also don't read about the, the, the disciples particularly going without or, or, or leading particularly um, challenging lives on, on the, on the breadline. In fact, we, le- we read in the gospel that they're, they're often accused by the Pharisees of, of, of living too well. And not fasting and, and, and eating and drinking. And Jesus is accused of being around drunks. The invitation here isn't focused on what you give up per se. The invitation here is to follow Jesus. And by doing so, the disciples were in, invited to put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And look to his teachings and look to him to provide and not put their trust in their nets and their jobs and their careers, and not put their trust in their ongoing legacy, their family, their status, and not put their faith in just worldly possessions, but to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to follow him. And when Jesus asked the rich young man to sell all of his possessions, it wasn't because that's the only way to get into 
heaven and have eternal life, the question that the young man asked him. But he saw into his heart and loved him and saw what this young man put his faith in. And he said, give that up and put it in me, follow me. And disheartened, the young man couldn't do it. And we read in the Bible about not being able to follow two masters. He, he held on too tight to those things to be able to say, yes, I will give that up and I will follow you. And we are invited to put our faith in Jesus, put our trust in him to always look to him for provision and not our own ability or our status or our possessions, but to look to Jesus Christ. The invitation that we have and have always had is the same one the disciples had by the Sea of Galilee. And Wendy had a word last Sunday and it was just absolutely amazing. And it was Jesus saying to us, speaking to us, come and follow me. Don't put in your faith in anything but me. And the words were, follow me, I have things to show you. I have things to teach you. And that was what... Jesus said to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it's what Jesus said to us last Sunday, and it's what he says this Sunday, and it's what he's going to say next Sunday. So three points this morning. So the first two, it is an invitation. It is an invitation to, to go from just knowing Jesus, but to then follow him. And it's an invitation to follow and put our faith in Christ and in his gospel. And the last one this morning, it is an open invitation. It's an open invitation. So what do I mean by that? Well, there's two points, really. But I, so I only have three points. This is two of the one. No, I'm joking. It's two points. The, the fact is Jesus extend, extends his invite to everyone. It is an open invitation. He extends it to everyone. In Mark 8, verses 34, when Jesus is preaching to the thousands that have gathered, it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone, every single one of us is invited into this. No matter where you are this morning, we are invited into this. And we, we sometimes forget how profound that was, particularly for the people that were hearing it, to be invited to follow this great teacher, to follow him. But I think it's more than that when I say it's an open invitation. It means not only is it extended to everybody, but it's extended in every day and in every moment that we live. And it doesn't have an RSVP date or an expiry date. Jesus doesn't rescind the invitation and say, actually, we're looking a little bit busy. The table's a little bit full. There's always space for people at the table. And that's really good news because often, as the case with humans, and I speak from personal experience here, we need the opportunity again and again to consider this invitation and to respond to it. In Luke 12, 23, just to illustrate this as an example, 
So these are the disciples that have stepped out and said, we will follow you, we will follow your teachings. And in Luke 12, 22 to 23, it says, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what will you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. How's everybody getting on with that one? It's hard, it's something that needs practice every day and in every moment to move towards that point of remembering that we shouldn't be anxious, we should put our trust in Jesus and tripping and falling and standing back up and saying, no, I'm going to do it again. And the best illustration of this always of people getting it wrong and then moving forward is, is the disciples. And again and again, we read about um, Jesus basically turning around to him and saying, put your trust in me, follow me, follow my teachings, and the disciples having dull moments. We read about disciples asking how they will feed the 4,000 after Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's literally just performed a miracle to feed these people, and they're like, where are we going to get bread from? When they're in the boat, Jesus rebukes them when there's the storm, and he says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Again and again, the, the disciples are directed back to that invitation of Jesus saying, come and follow me. Put your faith in me. And the passage that speaks most to this for me, and that illustrates it so well, is when we read about Jesus being arrested. And we read throughout the gospel that Jesus has been speaking to his disciples. He's been preparing them for this. He's, he's basically drawn diagrams of what's going to happen and why it needs to happen. He turns around and says, I will be portrayed. The, 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 the Son of God needs to die. There needs to be this. This is going to happen. And yet when we get to it, we read this passage. And when those were around him saw what, what would follow. They said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the ear and he healed the priest. And we read in John that it's, that it's Peter that draws his sword. And I just think, and it, and, and it really does speak to me. It's like, this is my plan this is going to be my, this has to happen, Peter. You need, like, like, like this is, this is going to happen. You need to maybe get ready for this. And in the moment, he turns around and he says, don't worry, God, I've got this on my own back. I have a sword here. We can sort this out. And it's like Jesus is just turning around to him and, and, he, and, he, and he heals the priest's ear. And he's like looking at him like, do you not get it? <laughs> and he says, enough. And we read, that, we read Jesus turn around and say, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once see, send me more than 12 legions of angels? And he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, remember that Sea of Galilee. Remember what I invited you to. Come and follow me. Put your trust back in me. In all of those moments when the disciples trip and forget and lose their way. And I absolutely love when we read the rest of the gospel, what happens with Peter and he, he denies Jesus. And then we have this scene where he goes back to fishing and then he ends up having breakfast with Jesus by the sea. And, and, and it's like that moment again where it's like, 
I invited you by that by the sea again. I invited you. I've invited you every day. And I know all of this, this stuff has happened, but I'm inviting you again. Come and come and follow me. And when I've really reflected on this, I, I think where do I where do I trip up? Where am I like Peter? Where am I putting my faith? And one of the things that I often reflect on, and it's so tragic, but I often think of one of the disciples that one day woke up and said no to that invitation. It was invited every day, come and follow me. And Judas, for whatever reason, we, we, we don't know, obviously, there, there's a perception of, was, 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 was it money? Was that where his faith was? But I think it's more than that. But something happened, and he woke up one day and said, no, I can't. I can't put my faith in you. I'm not going to follow you. And I really reflect, what is it that I struggle with? When do I know Jesus but don't follow him? When do I forget that I know Jesus at all? And one of the things that I've been really practicing uh, recently as I prepared for this and have just been reading these verses and being inspired again and again has been waking up every day and and, and asking myself that question, come and follow me, and practicing in my prayers saying yes to Jesus, re-saying yes in all of those moments. And as I just wrap up, if I could invite the worship team back. We, like Andrew and Simon and those disciples, face an invitation, one to follow and put our faith in Christ and his gospel but the other side of that invitation is to, is to look at the things that we're called away from and what stops us doing that and what we're unwilling to give up and put faith in Christ. And that will be personal to all of us and it will likely change over time depending on where we are. And again, this pursuit it is a continual journey with each other, with brothers and sisters in Christ to work towards that. And yesterday, today and tomorrow, we're faced with that same invitation. There is nothing that takes that invitation off the table. Jesus is asking us now, come and follow me. And as I said, I've started to, to ask myself that in, in every day when I wake up to start my prayers with that invitation and to actively say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And in this series, we've been looking at the incredible life available to all of us by being close to Jesus, by following so closely that we, he will be covered in, we will be covered in his dust, that intimacy what is available if we say yes? And again, that is open to every single one of us this morning. Amen.